Mozzarella. The wet one. Luca's mother shouted through the phone. Ma, I got the mozzarella. He waved to Roberto behind the counter at Bianchi's Deli, the only place his mother would buy the ingredients for her Sunday dinner. It's not enough. We're going to have a big thing. Everyone is coming over. Nona Cristini and Pepe are coming over. Josie's coming over. Rosa's coming over. Lily's coming over. Ma, I've got enough mozzarella to feed all of Sicily. It's only Thursday. If it's not enough, I can come back. He heard a crash and groaned inwardly. Turning, he saw his six-year-old son, Matteo, standing by a broken flower pot. His mother stopped mid-tirade. What was that noise? Matteo broke a flower pot. I thought you were teaching him good behavior. Everywhere we go, he gets into trouble. He gestured to Paolo to go deal with the mess. Tall and lanky, with dark hair cut to the side that constantly fell over his face, 17-year-old Paolo had been helping out with Matteo, running errands, and making deliveries for the last few years in the hopes that one day he would be accepted as an associate in Luca's crew. He's a boy, his mother said. Boys run. They get dirty. They break things. They get in fights. You ran all over the place. Luca's younger brother, Alex, used to run, too, until he started snorting powder up his nose, and then his running days were over. Yet another victim of the scourge that had killed Luca's wife and threatened to destroy the city he loved. Tell him not to run in stores. He watched Paolo wipe away the big fat tears streaking down his son's face and felt a twinge of guilt that he had not gone to comfort his own son. You tell him you're his father. You never see him. Maybe once a week on Sunday. That's not enough. Ma, I don't have time. Protecting and supporting the family is my job. Discipline, manners, not running indoors. Those are your job. You did okay with me. I'm standing here, not running, not breaking things. His mother huffed into the phone. Since you're standing there, tell Roberto to save the end of the brajol. I'm going to make pasta fagioli. Alex loves it. He's working hard now, and he's got a big appetite. I cook him breakfast. He asks what's for dinner. Luca didn't have the heart to tell her that Alex, still living at home at the age of 24, was spending his days working in a coffee shop to earn money for crack, and his nights sneaking women into the bedroom they'd shared until Luca left home at the age of 18. He covered the phone and sent Paolo out to watch the vehicle. Frowning at Matteo, he pointed to a chair by the door. Sit over there and don't move. The boy was the spitting image of Gina. Dark hair, deeply tanned skin, and a round, soft face. The constant visual reminder of Gina's betrayal was another reason why Matteo now lived with Luca's mother. Frankie and Mike snickered by the deli counter as his mother talked. Neither of them had to contend with their mothers living close by. Not just mothers, but all the cousins, aunts, uncles, and grandparents that encompassed his family the family Luca's father had dishonored when he became an FBI informant. Luca had been trying to prove that he was not his father's son ever since. Frankie had no family to worry about. Orphaned when he was young, he had been taken in by the DeLucci crew, the enforcement arm of the New York Gamboli crime family, and trained as a mafia enforcer, the kind of man who made even the meanest, most ruthless killers tremble with fear. Named after one of the most powerful New York Mafia bosses of all time, 
The Gamboli crime family was one of the most powerful Cosa Nostra families in America, with factions in many key cities. The Toscani family ran the Gamboli's Vegas faction, although the recent death of the Toscani boss had split the family in two, with both Nico and his cousin Tony claiming the title of Don. Nico had appointed Luca and Frankie as his closest advisors. Alex is bringing a girl over after church on Sunday, his mother said. I don't know why she can't come to church with him. What kind of girl doesn't go to church? Maybe she's not Italian. Although he and Alex were expected to marry Italian women, there were no restrictions when it came to girlfriends and mistresses. Marta, his guma, when he'd been with Gina, was half Spanish and half Portuguese. She knew a few Italian words and a little English, but he hadn't been with her for the conversation. Marta liked her sex rough and dirty.